Good evening, I'd like to give you all a warm welcome, whether you're joining us online or whether you're here present in the church this evening. As we come to worship and to praise our God, just two notices. One is on Tuesday evening we have quarterly church meeting for church members, so just a reminder for Tuesday evening. And the second one, Tim, can you pop the the Hope Explored slide up please? So we've had a change of dates. We have three people who would like to come and they can't make the first dates but we can make these ones. So if you have a friend and you're a little bit reluctant because you didn't want them to be the only one, then I think there's going to be about seven of us now. So you're welcome to invite your friend and if you haven't got a friend, then please pray. Please pray for these people that God would show them his love, his mercy and his grace from his word. Well, we're going to start with our first, our first song, which is Meekness and Majesty. And this hymn is amazing. The way it reflects Jesus' godliness, his God character, but also his humanity. In little short sentences, you get the reflection of Jesus being God, but also Jesus being man. Let's stand as we sing Meekness and Majesty.
we're going to have our, our first reading today, which is from Galatians. It's a reading from Galatians. And the title of our sermon today is Happy are the humble and hungry. Now, anyone who knows me very well, hungry and happy don't go together. So, if you're looking forward, John, to happy are the hungry and the humble. But we're going to be in Galatians and chapter 5, reading through from verse 16 through to 6, verse 2. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through to chapter 6 and verse 2. But I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfil the law of Christ. We're going to turn to our God in prayer now, bow our heads, our hearts and our minds as we, as we seek him. Father God, as we approach you in prayer, we ask that you would grant us the Holy Spirit to help us as we worship you, to help us as we pray to you. We ask that our minds would not be distracted on things that may have happened this past week or things that could be happening this coming week. But we pray that you would give us the ability to focus totally on you, whether that's in prayer, whether that's in praise and worship, whether that's as we come under your word, as John preaches it to us. We're so thankful that you are truth. Lord, you are the Father of truth. You are the God of truth. You are truth. The things that you told the patriarchs thousands of years ago 
are true today. And your word will be true when time is no more. We come and we go, but your word stands forever. And Lord, that is such a contrast to the devil, who is the father of lies. And we see that in our world round about us. We see the fake news, the false news. If it's true for me, it must be true. But Lord God, you are truth. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it teaches us. And we pray that in our lives, we would be focused on what you have to say to us through your word. Whether that's here on a Sunday, whether that's at home, in our own Bible readings, whether that's through the other means that we teach your word through. And we pray that our hearts would be changed by what you say to us. Lord, we just read a list of characteristics, Lord, that those of us that are walking in the Spirit should be exhibiting. And we pray that we would all be walking in the Spirit. And we ask in our lives that we would show that fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. May that be the very hallmark of our life. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit be working in us. Lord, we want to thank you for the teaching that has been done today through this morning service, through uh, Rooted, through Thrive. Lord, through the ministries, whether they be in an old people's home, whether they be in a prison, Lord, up and down this country where your word has faithfully been taught, we pray that souls would be changed. We ask that people would be convicted of their sin, whether they are three or four at the younger end, or whether they are much older. Lord God, we pray that lives would be transformed. We ask that you would be merciful and kind and gracious to those who do not know you. That the Holy Spirit would be convicting them of sin. The Holy Spirit would be showing them that they can have peace with you. Showing them that through your death on the cross, through your willingness to be a sacrifice, to take the punishment for all those who would come in faith, believing and trusting that your death on the cross has brought them peace with you. And there'll be that day where we can join you in heaven. Lord God, we pray that everyone here would know you as their saviour. Those who don't know you, we pray urgently, would be asking you to show them if they don't know you. And for those of us who do know you, Lord, we pray we would be filled with the joy of what you've done for us and what our future prospects are. Lord God, we pray that you would be with us as we continue in our service. Lord, we pray that as we sing the hymns, they would be as prayers for us. Lord, we pray that you be with us. Amen. Our next, our next hymn is a well-known one, but it's also a challenging one. Is this something that we want? May the mind of Christ my Saviour, living me from day to day, 
by his love and power controlling all I do and say. This is, I think of myself, this is something perhaps I should be praying every day, not just on a Sunday. And as we sing through the verses, they each have an individual challenge. Let's stand with the music. reading which is in James, James and chapter 3 verses 13 through to 18. So James chapter 3 verse 13 through to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Well, John, we're going to pray and have another hymn and then John will be 
coming and preaching to us. Let's turn again to our God in prayer. Almighty God, as we come back into your presence in prayer, Lord, we ask that we would be those who look to you as our Father. We would be those who are looking to you, casting the things that are going wrong in our lives to you, looking to you for help in the difficulties. Lord, we are in the midst of a sinful world. Lord, we ask that you would help us to resist the temptation that the devil throws at us. We pray that you would help us to stand firm where those round about us are trying to lead us astray. We pray that that prayer you pray for the disciples, that they are in the world but not of the world, would be appropriate for us too. And Lord, as we seek to honour you and to serve you, Lord, to show love to those round about us as you have shown us love, we pray you would help us. We pray that you would give us opportunities to speak to our friends, to speak to our neighbours, to speak to our family, our work colleagues about you. And we ask that you would help us in our daily lives to be walking in such a way that reflects your character here on this earth. And Lord, not only do we cast our spiritual cares and concerns on you, Lord, we bring our temporal ones too. We ask, we know that you know each of our individual circumstances. And we pray that as we come to you in prayer and as we talk to you about them, Lord, that you would strengthen, that you would comfort, that you would bring peace in whatever we are dealing with at this moment in time. Lord, you, you know the struggles and strains, whether that be conflict with family, friends, neighbours at work, whether that be stress, whether that be financial. Lord, we pray for those who are struggling with their health, whether because of old age, whether because they have fallen ill. And we remember Christine and Philip, and commit them to you at this time. Lord, whether it's recovering for operations, Lord, we pray and we commit to you. Uh, Liz, we pray for Charlie, we pray for Anne, that you would continue to help in the recovery, and any that I've missed, Lord God, you know them. Lord, we pray for any who are struggling mentally. Lord, we ask that you would be with them. Lord God, we ask that we would be in contact with you. Lord, wanting our relationship to get stronger, but also bringing our troubles and our strife to you, knowing that you're a God who does care. We pray also for uh, those we have contact in, in foreign lands. Lord, we, we pray for James and Rachel. Lord, we pray for Rosie. And Lord, there are others who are on our hearts that you know about. We pray for them each, that they would know you close to them, helping them in their their different cultures, in their different circumstances, knowing that through the whole world, everyone is made in your image. Everyone has fallen short of the standards you expect. Lord, and everyone needs Jesus. Help them as they reach out in their various cultures and help them deal with the different difficulties that these different cultures present to them.
Lord, we especially remember those who are under persecution. We pray you'd be with them. We pray that you'd comfort them. We pray that they would know your help and they would know your strength with them in their lives. Lord God, we, we pray and we ask now that you would be with us as you, as you teach us from your word, as John brings your word to us. We pray that our lives would be transformed and changed by what you have to say to us. And we ask in, in this that Jesus would have all the honour and all the glory. Amen. Well, our third song is, a, um, is to remember what we, we, John taught us last week. Blessed are the humble souls who see their emptiness and poverty. Treasures of grace to them are given and the kingdom of their God in heaven. Let's stand with the music.
Well, last week in the evening we started to look at uh, these uh, amazing and wise and thought-provoking statements of Jesus called the Beatitudes. They're in the earlier verses of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. And they all start with blessed and they're about those who are deeply happy. Those who are in a a good position. Those who have the right approach to life. Those who Jesus approves of. Those who will do well in the long run. These blessed people. And you might remember if you were here we envisaged um, lots of circumstances and attitudes like an audience of people each with a a t-shirt and their sort of circumstance or attitude written on the t-shirt and then the, the, the person who was the show host calling down to the front on show some of those attitudes for everyone else to see to give them special attention like a, a student perhaps at the front of the class and we sense the astonishment as he called down the first two attitudes which was poor in spirit And there were gasps around the audience, poor in spirit, on show, down the front. And the second one, mournful, down the front and on show. And we spent some time thinking about those phrases and what they meant, poor in spirit, mournful, and why they were blessed, well-placed and in a good position. Well, this week we look at another pair the next pair. And then uh, next week it's up to Mark whether he takes one or two or three or four in taking us onwards through the series. But we're having two more this week. And they are equally surprising. The next two call down to the front, if you like, with their t-shirts, with their circumstance or attitude written on are equally surprising. (coughs) The first one is read out. The name of it is Meek. And Meek comes down and joins the other two on the front on the stage. And people say, I thought it was going to be aggressive. I thought it was going to be climbing on other people. I thought it was going to be self-confident. I thought it was going to be assertive. But the next t-shirt down the front on show is Meek. Both of this week's attitudes are really an outflow of being poor in spirit and mournful. They are connected. We can almost see the four, if you like, linking arms as a team. They're connected. Jesus says those in his kingdom are meek. And I think for most of... uh, the most of the things that we shall be looking at in terms of attitudes and characteristics is right for us to see them as what Christians are like and what Christians should be like. Don't you think that's how we should see them? Jesus makes clear it's what they are like. It's perhaps mostly about what what Christians are like, what God has made them by his spirit as he brings them into his kingdom as they become Christians. 
But the emphasis on Jesus, of Jesus to, to sort of display them before his disciples is also encouraging this, this is what's good and right. This is to be fostered. This is to be encouraged. This is what we should be like. Our like should be like. So here we have the next two. And we start off with, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, says Jesus. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Meek. Meek emphasises really how these attitudes, the first two attitudes of last week are, are worked out towards others. How would you describe meekness? If you were the thesaurus, you know, and you're replacing it with other words, what, what might be some of the ones that come to your mind? Maybe humble, hence the, the title. Perhaps considerate. Maybe gentle. Maybe kind, meekness. What about the opposites, or if you're Theosaurus, it's the antonyms, isn't it? The opposites. What would be some of the opposites for meekness? Um, Arrogant, maybe. Pushy, perhaps. Uh, Self-obsessed. You could probably add others. Apparently, Churchill, Winston Churchill, the great war leader, said of his uh, fellow politician, Clement Attlee, that he was a, a modest man with much to be modest about. A modest man with much to be modest about. Sometimes translated, a humble man with much to be humble about. Well, we should be humble and meek because we have much to be meek about. We have much to be humble about and as we recognise that, it affects our attitudes towards others. If I am so poor before God, how can I be so strident, so pig-headed, so dismissive towards others. It just doesn't fit and sit with recognising how how far I fall short before God. Poor in spirit leads to meekness. We feel instead that I must value other people. I, I must not see myself as so much higher than them. Philippians 2 summarises it nicely in verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. It's another antonym, isn't it? But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And It's interesting to think how this ties in with temperament. And you might want to think about that. 
Uh, it's more than just temperament, isn't it? So some people are naturally shy or, or timid or, or thoughtful and others are headstrong and self-willed and bossy and that influences us. But, but for all that and all that range, there should be a spiritual meekness working through if somebody is a believer. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you have no principles. It, it doesn't mean that you're just a, a pushover. Earlier in the Bible it says of Moses that he was at that stage the meekest man in all the earth. And yet what you know about Moses is surely somebody who was a strong leader with great responsibility, often having to stand up to opposition. Now sometimes meek people do push hard for what they know to be right and for what they know to be fair, especially where others are concerned. I remember seeing a church poster. Well, I didn't see it actually. I remember somebody at the church telling me that they saw a poster. This was when I was a student many years ago and it was on a, a church board. It went something like this. If you think it's weak to be meek, try being meek for a week. If you think it's weak to be meek, try being meek for a week. So meekness is not just about flimsiness and softness and flabbiness. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a better quality than that. Would you say there is a meekness about you? Would you say that you're growing in meekness? Well, how does this meekness show? Well, it, it shows in relationships. Colossians three twelve. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, talking about how they relate to one another, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. See, meekness is the way we conduct ourselves together. It affects relationships. It shows there. Meekness shows in conflict situations. I think that's so where the James 3 reading that we had fits in. There, there were sort of wars and quarrels and difficulties amongst the, the Christians there and he calls for um, a special heavenly wisdom rather than a sort of an earthly, pushy wisdom. And he talks about this in this way. Let him show his wisdom by his good conduct and his works that are in the meekness of wisdom. And when he describes it, he says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. There's a willingness to, to hear, to understand the other person's point of view, uh, a reasonableness, 
patience, a care, a peaceableness, a gentleness in situations where there's differences of view. Are you part of a team? And there are different views in the team. Well, that's an arena where Christian meekness should be on display and working through. Family situations. People have different views, don't they, in families? They do in your family, don't they? And the dynamics and the way that works out is one of the arenas where meekness should be displayed. Gentleness, open to reason, concern for others, thoughtfulness, willingness to hear. Meekness, where else does it show? It should show in our conversations with those who are not yet believers. In 1 Peter 3 it talks about uh, situations where a Christian is asked about the hope that they have in them. And this is how they are to respond, it says, but in your hearts, verse 15, honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, or meekness. The meekness and gentleness words are sometimes translated differently. Do it with, with, with meekness and respect. We're not meant to be barking sort of truths and biblical quotes at people in a sort of careless, hard way. We're to respect them and to listen to them and with meekness and gentleness bringing the wonderful truth about Jesus to them. We're to be meek in the face of opposition and criticism. And this often shows our lack of meekness, isn't it? It's where we find defensiveness bubbles up. We, 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 we flare up, don't we? And we say, how, how dare you think that of me? I had to apologise this week to someone for feeling defensive in the face of suggestions. It's a, it's a failing of mine to, to feel defensive when people are suggesting of what I've done or what I've thought and felt in the past and, and it's, it's, not, it's not really meekness, is it? Perhaps you find the same, a, a real sense of defensiveness stirred up inside you. Well, that's not meekness, is it? There's some truth in the saying that <coughs> humility or meekness is not thinking of yourself less. It's thinking, it's not thinking less of yourself, sorry. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Meekness is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Well, that's often the issue. We're too obsessed with ourselves and it's not consistent with meekness well of course the great example is the great example it's Jesus so a leader he was straight with the truth at times but he's described as somebody as meek and lowly in heart described as somebody who a bruised reed he would not break and a smoking flax he would not quench. When he was insulted, he did not insult back. He prayed for those 
who were crucifying him. Meekness and majesty as we started the service. Blessed are the meek. This is what Jesus says to his followers. These people are blessed. It's a a blessed thing to be meek. You're well placed. You're, You're going in the right direction. And he adds a reason again, which is that they shall inherit the earth. They shall inherit the earth. It's almost a direct quote. I don't know if you know, those of you who know your your Bibles and have read a bit more of them maybe, it's almost a direct quote from a psalm, from Psalm 37, verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. There in in the psalm, instead of fretting and instead of being all worked up and struggling with people doing better than them, they're trusting, they're committing to the Lord. And these meek people, it says, but the meek shall inherit the land. They, They won't lose out. They might seem to be losing out temporarily, but they won't lose out. And it seems a bit counterintuitive, doesn't it? Because the general view, isn't it, is that the meek are life's losers. They're life's losers. They, they never get ahead. They never get what they want. They don't look after number one. They're, they're on a loss, the losers. And yet Jesus says that they are the gainers. That the meek are the gainers. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. They they partly gain now. There is this sort of paradox in these statements, I think. They have things now. The Apostle Paul in one point says about him having nothing yet possessing all things. So he, he felt rich in so many ways, even though he was financially It does breed a contentment, if you like, a a satisfaction now. But it's especially future. They shall inherit the earth. I don't know if you're likely to inherit much. Depends on the decisions of your older relatives. Depends on the family resources and all that happens. There's no family wealth. You uh, won't inherit anything. But a a Christian need not worry because they they have their inheritance. They have a much better inheritance. They They will inherit the new heaven and the new earth. They will be there. They will be the gainers. They don't need to be pushy and selfish now because what really matters is coming their way. It reminded me of a conversation with a friend. I think it's relevant to both bits. It's made me thoughtful. Um, and I remember talking to them and, and they, they said about a situation where probably their, their, their parents died or the one that lasted longest died and there was the family home and he said that uh, 
I decided that I wouldn't take have any. He had siblings, so that, brothers and sisters. He said um, I decided I wouldn't have anything out of the family home. Um, I just found it the dynamic of choosing and wanting and thinking I ought to have that rather than somebody else. I just wanted to be released from it. I guess if it was sold, he had his portion. But in terms of the goods in the house, he said, I, I just didn't, didn't want it. And uh, it's a good job not everyone takes that view. Our parents would be very disappointed if all their stuff just gets left because nobody claims it. You know, that's the right for it to be passed on and shared out fairly. But I thought it, it was demonstrating this spirit of meekness, uh, not concern for myself and what I would like of what's left, but I want my siblings to be blessed. And a, an inner contentment that it's not these things that really matter because I have an inheritance and I have all that I need in Christ. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. But there we have another person brought to the front. And he's called down to the front and he has hunger and thirst written on his t-shirt. Now his arms are folded, if you like, at the minute, so we've only just got hunger and thirst. You can't see the rest. And you think, well, this is a bit unusual, isn't it? Hunger, to be hungry, to be thirsty, are, are blessed. We think... Uh, it's good to be full up. It's much better to be at the end of a meal with a full tummy than uh, gasping for food at the start, isn't it? It's much better to have had a nice, refreshing, uh, cool fruit juice on a hot day than to be sweating and panting in the midday sun. But he unfolds his arms. You see the rest of what Jesus says. And he says, hunger and thirst for righteousness. See, extra nuance to this. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. But think about this. It's another outworking, isn't it, of being poor in spirit. Because if you realise big time that you're not righteous, then you, you want to be righteous. You're eager, you feel a sense of need. You look at your life and you, you want it to conform to God's will, and it doesn't at the moment. So it follows out from, from the others. There's a link together, these four. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness. It's a sign of, of life, you know. Do you want to be righteous? Do you want to live in line with what God says is good? You, you want to do what is, is right? It's a work of God's Spirit. 
You weren't too fussed in the past. It didn't really matter how you lived. You didn't want to get into trouble. You didn't want to look too bad, perhaps against your, your parents and their friends. Um, but, but now you find you do, you do want to do what God wants, not just what they want, not just for an easy life, but your, your thoughts are higher. You're, you're wanting righteousness in your life. You're craving for it, is what it's saying, isn't it? It matters. You're, you're not content without it. You're hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And Jesus says, these are the blessed people. They're the ones who are part of my kingdom. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's what Christians are like. That's what Christians should be like. Maybe our appetite has worn off a bit, has it? Thought-provoking, isn't it? It's troubling, isn't it, when, when there's no appetite. Normally, when an older person, a weaker person has got no appetite, it's a concern. They need intake, they need food. If you're not well, sometimes you're your appetite goes and you don't fancy food and it's, it's not a good sign, is it? And, and then you know you're better sometimes when you can't wait for dinner and your appetite's back. It's, well, how is your appetite for righteousness? It was said of my granddad, I may have told you, my granddad used to say that he's He's never full up, he just has to stop eating. He's never full up. He's got a good appetite. He seems to run down the cowley line a bit. This good appetite for natural food. Maybe you've got a good appetite for natural food. Try and lose a bit of weight after Christmas maybe. Well, it's just so hard because you just love food. But what about righteousness? Do we love righteousness? I just, just, just love to be like what God wants. I'm just not content without Him. Like the person who wrote the longest psalm in the Bible, 119, it says in 131, I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Paul felt this way. We've read Philippians 2. Here's a verse from Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Jesus, of course, again, is the perfect example, isn't he? When he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Hungry for righteousness. Hungry to do what God wants. Hungry for holiness. Some of us men have had an email out about a book on holiness called the, the, whole, the Hole in Our Holiness 
by Kevin DeYoung. And uh, we might not be into reading books and we might not have time to read the books or we might have other books on the go, but it's the subject one that actually registers. Would you think, actually, ah, yeah, but that's a good title anyway. I can't read it, maybe, but you might want to read it and you might tell me your name so we can get, get the book's orders, but is the theme appealing? Holiness. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Christians are, are like this and should be like this. I don't just follow it through. I think in relation to what Tony said to the children this morning, it just gave me a, a sort of... Um, a cross-section, a slice maybe, to follow through. Think of it in terms of um, nastiness. So Christians shouldn't want to be nasty because they want to be righteous and godly and holy. And uh, what that means, well, hopefully that means we avoid sort of physically punching and kicking, you know, maybe we did when we were, were young, but, you know, we, hopefully we've got past that now. We're not guilty of assault. We don't go in, hopefully, with the crunching tackles when we've lost our rag in a game because somebody got the ball off us. We, we don't do the physical, maybe, and that's part of it, yeah. Um, but then there's the words, isn't it? Words to people. And if we're wanting to be righteous, then... Well, we don't want those words to come out with an edge on them. We don't want those words to come out to people around us which hurt them and damage them and just fill with frustration. We think, no, no, this is not like God. I don't want to be like that. And so the righteousness concern comes down for what I say to people. But it goes further, doesn't it, if we're pursuing it and it, it affects what we say about people, to, to others, about people. And then if we have love in our heart and we're wanting to be righteous, we want our comments about others, even when they're not there, to be fair and, and, and charitable and not loaded or angled or unkind. And, you know, you might not punch people, but I guess you find a bit more of a struggle with what you say about people after they've frustrated you. But because... Your hunger and thirst for righteousness, that's a, a battle for you, isn't it? And you're saying, Lord, please help me to be careful what I say about them to others. And, as Tony reminded us this morning, it goes, it goes even deeper, doesn't it? Because, you, you know, God is concerned not just with what you do with your fists or do with your words, but what's going on in the heart. And because the Spirit has stirred you up to life, you want to be righteous in the heart. So you're, you're not just content with not throwing the insults or not being a gossip, but you're saying, Lord, I don't want to feel unkind frustration. I don't want to think hateful thoughts. Your teaching says that this is not good, and I know it's not good deep down in my heart. I'm praying, I'm wanting to grow, I'm hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And that's what happens, isn't it? That is what Christians are like, but it's also what Christians should be like. They hunger and thirst after righteousness. And then there is, to finish, another great encouragement on this front. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They shall be filled. Jesus is able to to fill that hunger. Jesus does fill hunger. Do you remember the feeding of the 5,000 and everybody was, was full up and no, sorry, couldn't have another thing. I'm full up, thank you. And there were 12 baskets left. Jesus is able to fill hunger. And this hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. It's partly now. We have a if we're believers, we have a righteousness through Jesus. We have his perfect life covering our tatty rags. We are seen as righteous by God. Another verse from Philippians 3, Paul talks about being found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And that's very satisfying. In one sense, you're already satisfied and filled. You long to be righteous. You know you're not. But you've learned that God declares you righteous through what Jesus has done. But most fully and finally, there will be that perfect righteousness in glory. In heaven we're told that it's a place where there is no hunger. Revelation 7. So there's no hungering and thirsting after righteousness. It is a place where people have glorified bodies which don't sin. It's a place where nothing defiles. It's it's hard to imagine, isn't it? Um, our own failings and our own sin is just so much a feature of life and relationships here. We, we just can't really clock what it's going to be like to be different. But it will be different. We will be going to that place which we inherit, a new heaven and a new earth. And how is it described? A new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We shall be very full and satisfied and our longings and cravings for holiness, for godliness, for righteousness. Met now in Christ by his death on the cross giving us his righteousness will be enjoyed and experienced in the glory of eternity in our relationships and fellowship. So Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Well, let's just have a moment's uh, time to pray. Maybe one of the two has been particularly helpful to you. Just give a, a minute to turn that into a personal prayer before the Lord, before we sing our last song.
Well, we sing our last song, and it's a song which really reminds us of the righteousness that we have and will finally enjoy through Jesus and his death. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. of Jesus in these sayings and we pray that you would help us to 
to be along the lines of the meekness which is taught here, to be along the lines of the hunger and thirst after righteousness which is taught here. We thank you for those vast encouragements of the inheritance which is ours and the satisfaction which we experience and will finally and fully experience. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.